0: It's your Wizard of the Month,
1: Holden McNeely. And I'm your J.D. Powers and Associates Bruiser of the Year award winner (laughs) three years in a row, best in class, strongest dick, Jake Young. And today we bring you an episode on... It's the Muppet Show! Play that goddamn music like it's Prozac.
0: I have to play this. Is what's going to get everybody so excited because how can you not just be filled with joy hearing this opening theme?
1: I honestly... It's, like the light. it's, it's unfair the how much one, one company has just owned like the subconscious feelings run. of joy it's and safety in my heart. Absolutely. And, and, and,
0: and, man, it's so good.
1: Please <laughs> come I just will never know. It's,
0: <laughs> it's like a, this is a Walder- That's Waldorf and uh, Stadler. Yeah, yeah. It's... What a, this has to be one of the greatest Opening themes of television Yeah, yeah Like up there with Cheers
1: get the most I said better than Cheers
0: better. Oh, fuck your ass Put your dick in your own ass fuck. I'm sorry it's to what, say that during, while Jim, to this
1: It's what Jim Henson would have wanted Because it's entertaining, provocative And requires a lot of manual dexterity
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, So, anywho uh, this is our episode on the Muppets, part one, because it's too too big of a subject to cover just uh, uh, in one episode. This is this is they span so they're still popular. I mean, they're still a big deal, and and this
1: story starts back in you know what the sixties. Oh yeah. no, the it's I mean it starts in the fifties. It starts in the forties. Mm-hmm. It is uh, the the story of the Muppets is this like, like we have this awful. Habit of starting a topic and then realizing we have to explain the history of everything. I
0: literally had five pages of notes and I hadn't even started covering the films yet. And I, that's immediately when I furiously texted you, can we please make this a two-parter because it's too much shit. And I also want to say this episode's brought to you by Yoram Shipper. This is our first $50 patron tier uh, episode request. If you're at that tier, you get to actually request a specific episode uh, for the show. And it was such a wonderful one. He did also request the Snorks, and we will be covering that eventually. But we wanted to do uh, the Muppets here. And his promotion is actually a different... patron tier promotion uh, request as well. He, what a cool guy. He said, hey, why don't you promote the kid-tested, mother-approved, Podcast. Now, that's from our buddy Ruben, uh, he, who is another patron, a uh, $50 patron tier. So I just want to talk about this really quick before we get into this episode. Kid Tested Mother Approved is a podcast in which a movie lover, 27, and his mom, older than 27, pick a theme for the week and then give each other a movie to watch based on that theme. Want to hear an adult man have a breakdown while trying to understand the universe where Pixar's Cars takes place? Curious about what a preschool teacher 30 years of 30 years thinks about the Big Lebowski sport? Spoiler alert, it has too many F-words and doesn't make sense. Check out Kid Tested Mother Approved, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you again for that, and definitely check that out. It's an and awesome if you uh, want to
1: see both of these uh, great uh, contributors and uh, and cool fans uh, post a bunch of really erotic anime memes, <laughs> head on over to the Wish and the Bruiser Facebook group where there's fun nerd conversations happening all the time.
0: So this whole story starts with Jim Motherfucking Henson, born in Greenville, Mississippi, on September twenty fourth, nineteen thirty six. He was raised a Christian Scientist, and uh, he remembers the the arrival of the family TV as the biggest event of his adolescence. Another big event, or really figure in his adolescence, would be his maternal grandmother, and I think it's important to note that she was an avid painter, quilter, and needleworker, working with a lot of fabrics a lot of thread, a lot of, and he would spend so much time with her and she always encouraged him to take delight in the world around him to use his imagination. I think just being around her and all that felt... Mm. Uh, Had a big impact on him.
1: Well, I don't know if you knew this about uh, small town Mississippi, but there isn't a lot to do, Mm. especially hear me out in the 1930s. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this is like he he had just tons of time to just let his imagination run wild to like Mm -hmm. create stories and imagine worlds and. The uh, the the arrival of television in his life was kind of this amazing boon because it's a it's a format in which kind of the sound and visuals of stories are finally given like an intimate up close, like one to one relation. You're not going to sit in a movie theater. It's it's less formal, like the world of television, which, again, was a recent invention. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking like the tiny wooden box with the even tinier screen.
0: Literally, he called the arrival of the TV the biggest event of his adult. Adoles- it was an event when a TV entered your home back in those days. It was literally an event, a day you remembered like the day JFK was fucking shot in the head. Which, you remember? Uh, that wouldn't is-
1: happen for quite some time. This is still the 1930s. <laughs> uh, still,
0: you would just uh, you, you know you could uh, Abraham Lincoln getting shot in the head. You would also remember where you were, much like when the TV entered. Why do I keep talking about presidents getting shot in their face? Uh,
1: because it's the only thing that will bring about the change this country needs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. On
0: that television and over the radio, he was inspired by different puppeteers and ventriloquists and whatnot. Uh, Edgar Bergen is one who is actually the father of actress Candace Bergen, who would later
1: appear on Saturday Night Live with him and Mm. also be a guest on The Muppet Show.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. I didn't even put that together. That's amazing. He appeared uh, with his first puppet, Charlie McCarthy, who wore a top hat and monocle, it's probably it's probably actually a puppet you would recognize if you saw a picture of it, on um, the chase and Sanborn Hour. It was very vaudevillian, very shticky, and I think, again, that comes into play with the Muppet Show later. Another puppeteer was Burr Tilstrom. He was a Chicagoan who did puppetry on the Kukla, Fran, and Ollie Show. Widely Have regarded you seen to be clips the first- of the
1: Kukla, Fran, and Ollie Show? Um, It's terrible Yeah It is genuinely awful It's the kind of like Punch and Judy Wooden head Like kind of stiff puppets And like They wouldn't even It was literally like The little puppet theater That you remember from like bad arts festivals and like th- even worse children's birthday parties. And what's
0: hilarious is, uh, but just
1: film. They would just stick a camera in front of the same rinky dink little set.
0: What's hilarious that you say that is it was actually considered to, as being one of the first children's shows that would appeal to both children and adults, which is kind of like when people say, Oh, Flintstones is actually a primetime show for adults. Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> you go like rewatch Flintstones. It's like, does not seem that way. Um, it was largely improvised. um, it was very playful, you know, very crappy, like Jake said. And then also Bill and Cora Baird, a husband and wife team who performed different, uh, the famous puppetry sequence, uh, The Lonely Go-Turd in the film version of The Sound of Music, also known for the Charlemagne the Lion puppet. They did puppets for Dark Shadows. Um, and they wrote, he, he uh, they wrote the, a book called The Art of the Puppet in 1965. So these were very so prolific entertainers.
1: So this is kind of an- Interesting angle that I got from Jim Henson's life when uh, reading interviews and watching video footage of him is that he claims that being a puppeteer was not a great calling for him Mm. that um, what had happened was is that he was enamored with television Ah. TV first and foremost was his greatest love and now it's just an entry point for him. So uh his family um ups and moves from Mississippi to the uh Washington DC Maryland area. Mm-hmm, and he uh his family gets an even better TV and as a young kid like barely in high school, he uh sees an ad which is like an open call for puppeteers for a local TV station in the area to do like a children's like fun hour where the kids were the puppeteers and the kids made the content and uh if i i think i can- it was the junior morning show yes um, that's this exactly is it. while
0: he's at northwestern high school uh it
1: was a saturday morning children's show and then uh out, it got off- shut down uh-huh unfortunately mm-hmm. due to the fact that um it was a, a, a professional puppets, television show. The puppets were scaring the children. The puppets no, they were. were... High, you can't just
0: you can't just <laughs> hire random children to make a TV show. Apparently, one of the puppets was haunted, and, and it started coming on TV. They don't know how this was happening, but the puppet would appear on various children's televisions no, at certain points in the evening, the frightening them.
1: The real scary puppet was the United States labor laws. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, but that. But puppeteering is the way he got his first taste of working on television. Mm. And that's kind of uh, what made Jim Henson uh, kind of a revolutionary is that while other people at the time were puppeteers that just happened to even even uh, even. It's kind of like me how like when um, the
0: first thing I ever did was just be incredibly disgusting on a microphone. Mm -hmm. And here I am.
1: You are a you are a <laughs> decent human being, and we are all lucky to have you.
0: It was also uh, another reason why he got uh, uh, let go is because he created a puppet called Pippin the Suck My Own Dick Puppet, which that is think a was lie. Not, that is I not think is another reason no, uh, why I'm highly inspired by um, the Sound of Music. <laughs> what is what is up you (laughs) what is we're we're recording this in my apartment first of all i feel uh, way looser i feel way more ronde
1: uh did you see did you look up what his first puppet was officially no it was pierre the french rat and it was, a, it was a fuzzy rat. It barely looked like a rat. Most okay. of the things he makes didn't look like the thing. The yet.
0: rats are, I mean, if you want to jump ahead to next week's episode, and uh, especially in a Christmas story, but really in so many of the different iterations of the Muppets, the rats are some of my favorite characters. This is characters. as far Rizzo away from the Rizzo
1: the that you can possibly get. Okay. Uh, but a thing you have to understand at the time is that television is still an early medium. Uh, He was raised by it. He was one of the first generation of emerging talents that actually grew up with TV as a medium in his, like, formative years, whereas other people were like, I don't know, fuck it, put on, like, an old Catskill comedian and, like, dance around, like, people didn't quite know what to do with the medium yet, while Jim Henson was, like, uh, throughout his entire life experimenting and expanding specifically with what could be done within a television show.
0: Well, also, you know, you mentioned it earlier with the with the way you described the puppets on Kukla, Fran, and Ollie's show. Like, most of the puppets were all wooden and very different looking and feeling, and, and he really actually came in with that felt, with that, you know, with those fabrics and, and really kind of changed the game when it came to constructing actual puppets. He actually learned that when he went to University of Maryland uh, at College Park. He graduated with a BS in home ec, and, uh, which I think is he- amazing and hilarious. And like the cutest, most perfect thing for Jim Henson to graduate from college with. Well, that was the thing. He, he yeah. learned a lot. Like he took a puppeteering class while he was there, but also through doing home ec, he learned a lot about sewing mm-hmm. and creating different, you know, crafts. creating different crafts and things. He got really crafty while in college. He and- was
1: still doing Doing side gigs for local television as a puppeteer as well mm-hmm. so in his own puppet class surrounded by women he became like the if we all maybe you were that guy in theater just like Probably. the lanky sensitive art kid that like all the girls swooned over because like you still had a heart but you weren't you weren't confirmed gay yet right um and so he uh met a sultry older lady
0: Oh, yeah. He's this What's young her upstart. Name? This uh Jane Nebel. She's probably unimportant to the story, right? She's
1: definitely one of the most key <laughs> figures in his life. Uh
0: yeah,
1: Jane she Nebel. She meets Jane
0: Nebel at the University of Maryland. She becomes his assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh and um during this time, WRC TV Ask uh, Jane and Jim to uh, create a little five-minute puppet show for them, uh, and what it's called—they call it "Salmon Friends."
1: Now, it's, if you look at "Salmon Friends," it's still like a very proto Muppet kind of deal. Uh, like some of the characters don't quite have like the house style that we know and love.
0: Hey, let's hey, let's hear a little bit of it from our first. Right? Oh, you right? Oh, you have a l- clip of it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're, you're staring at it.
1: Oh yes, yeah, so I am.
0: So I am. <laughs> this is actually okay before actually before i introduce this i have to set this up too this is actually the very this is the first appearance i don't know if this exact clip is the first appearance i doubt that but this is where kermit the frog actually shows up at this point. He's just Kermit. He's just sort of lizard. Like he actually is missing some of his uh, prime features, mainly that, uh, neck, uh, collar, the frog collar collar to make him more froggy. And and it's original incarnation. He's kind of just this undefined lizard, Mm -hmm. you know, he's almost more gonzo like than frog like in the sense that he's sort of, uh, ambiguous, you know,
1: the, uh, but he does have, what's almost essential to Kermit is the, uh, Sturdy foam rubber Mm. around felt, but like still enough flexibility to give the character way more intense emotions and like reactions than a standard flappy, uh, solid puppet.
0: Yeah, going back to the whole wooden puppet thing, there, you can be so much more expressive with with movable fabric, and it really helped Jim Henson sell himself and uh, his creation. So here we go. Let's hear some of this.
1: The newsman is giving his news. He's so self-controlled and precise.
0: It's terrible so audio quality.
1: Just to relax and enjoy a couple moments of pleasant conversation. Here first we have... Chet Huntley, NBC News, New York. And
0: this is another puppet. Yes,
1: indeed, but let's not be quite so formal. Why don't you just call me Kermit, and I'll call you, uh, uh well, what would you like me to call you? Chet Huntley. Oh, okay, Chet Huntley. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's totally not bad. A, a, a huge... By the way, that what? actually got a laugh out of us, and that is from, what, 1961 in black and white is one of his first
1: bits, yeah. probably? Uh, a huge part of, like, a lot of Jim Henson's early humor is, like, playing off of a square character of some kind. Uh, this is you know this is still the late 50s early 60s when they're doing uh this early Jim Henson work with uh, Jane Nebel not quite Henson yet not quite but uh it has this kind of like beatnik kind of free floating jazzy kind of deal a lot of time you know these episodes that they're making are only like Five minutes long so sometimes they'll just launch into like a weird karaoke lip sync music video a lot
0: of it was them singing over stuff it was taped and aired twice daily as a local series uh from 1955 to 1961 sam is a bald-headed human puppet with wide eyes large ears and a big nose and his many friends not not only was it kermit but also yorick i love this one harry the hipster to go with your like freewheeling jazz kind of professor madcliffe Chicken liver, um, uh, yeah, and and and, and, and think the- of
1: it as like a proto adult swim, like you know, like. There's no like. Ha- if you watch like an episode mm-hmm. of Aqua Teen Hunger Force mm-hmm. now, like it won't make you laugh the same way because it wasn't, it, now it's not as subversive as it used to be. Right. But it had this kind of like, there are no rules. They're speaking like the language of young people. And even though now they don't hit quite as hard, this is like completely revolutionary. And uh, they're building the Muppet style of puppet, which uh, have you heard? Did you look up the magic triangle? No. So, basically, while other puppets were about, like, fanciful, like, colors or based on, like, you know, uh, ventriloquism or, you know, all these different considerations that were made exclusively for, like, live stage, the Muppets were built for television. And if you look at the way that Kermit the Frog is handled, if you look at the way the other puppets are handled, they play directly to the camera. Uh, a term I've heard used it. I I don't know if you know this, I do a little bit of puppetry for dorkly.com. I was completely unaware.
0: I plug it every show. I, I've never seen it. I,
1: I have no idea. By having the eyes, <laughs> the, the way the eyes are positioned, and the pupils, and the nose, and the mouth... Are all positioned to look down the camera as if the uh, characters uh. are looking at the viewer. Everything is shot so that the uh, puppeteers are completely out of view, mm-hmm. and the the puppet and the frame of the television becomes the frame of the puppet stage, so that it doesn't feel like you're looking at like some people shuffling behind a wooden box. Right, it feels like you're looking into an alternate world, and these are seemingly simple ideas that it was up to Jim and Jane and the other people that he brings on to uh, actually innovate and make work. And uh, so while Jim Henson wasn't necessarily a, a puppeteer from birth, he kind of like stumbled into it, uh, he ends up becoming part of the puppet community. And uh, year after year, he'll go to the Puppeteers of America conference, and there he'll meet new and exciting talent. So it's, it becomes this weird thing, uh, like Jerry Jewell,
0: Yes, Jerry Jewel, prominent figure that comes into play around this time. Uh, Jerry Jewell ends up stepping in for Jane at, at a point um, to, while while making the uh, Sam and Friends show. There's also Bob Payne is another guy who stepped in for Jim Henson, actually, because, um, I don't know, we're, we're probably about to get to his hiatus in Europe and his kind of big sort of, he, where he kind of finds himself and
1: gets inspired. Uh, but, but, yeah, you were saying? Oh, so... Uh like Jim is building this mini, like you know, he's getting great numbers on his local television uh network. He's getting uh booked onto uh individual late night variety shows with his freewheeling new act. Um he's getting uh inter- he's getting national uh advertisements from uh basically just coffee makers. So okay, before before we get into all that, I will say
0: this. There was a moment while working on Salmon Friends That he actually, uh, he didn't feel like puppeteering was actually something he could really do, you know? Again, like you mentioned, it's just something he kind of fell into. Mm -hmm. He started making stuff for children's shows. He didn't actually think that he could necessarily have a future in it. So he takes a hiatus. He has somebody step in form, Bob Payne, who ends up working on The Muppet Show later on. Uh, And he goes to Europe alone. And he meets puppeteers from all over Europe. And if if you remember um, or, or know anything about like kind of puppeteering in general out there, it's considered this like great art form. It's treated with a lot of respect. People really take the craft
1: very seriously. And he realizes that like there's even different puppeteering traditions. Like if mm-hmm. you go to Venice, it's like a different puppet style from uh, Amsterdam. It's a different puppet style from England. Like there, uh, uh, it's it's you know, it is its own legitimate art form that he was that Jim Henson wasn't really quite aware of uh until he kind of took this journey.
0: Yeah, and and he comes back and he's like no, I'm going to triple down on this and get really serious about it. I also will say it's during Sam and Friends that he actually came up with the term Muppet, that he does claim that it was actually a word that he coined um, that it was created as an al- amalgamation of the words marionette and puppet. That is disputed. Didn't know. That is disputed. That is dis-
1: People say that's it, but in other interviews, Jim Henson has denied it, and he just wanted to make sure that, like, because, you know, you name He had a word for his brand of, yeah, of, of, of puppets. puppets. Yeah. Totally. Well,
0: either way. And if you
1: get into the modern rights of it, it gets insane ha. because, like, the, if the Jim Henson Company makes a puppet, it is a Muppet character. It is a Muppet, but Disney owns the rights to the Muppets. Yes, the individual characters, and so it's like what is and isn't. And uh, and for example, set the puppets on the Muppets on Sesame Street are like Muppets from the Jim Henson Company, but they aren't the Muppets. It gets crazy just because Jim Henson wanted to make sure that you didn't call his thing just a puppet.
0: Mm. So now we get to the phase you were just briefly describing, and that would be uh, appearing on. Uh, he takes Kermit onto the Ed Sullivan show, the Steve Allen show, the Jack Parr program, Rolf actually makes uh, his big foray onto the onto the TV sets uh, Rolf the dog right mm-hmm. correct the right the piano
1: playing dog the lovable
0: piano playing dog he becomes the first muppet with a regular spot on network television on Jimmy Dean on the Jimmy Dean show as Jimmy Dean's sidekick he's on like yes, the every episode yes sausage guy. Yes, the sausage guy. He was on like every single episode, and um, in a
1: line of uh, very popular Purina dog, commer- dog food commercials. Apparently, he was so popular that he immediately
0: just started getting like hundreds of fan letters every single week. Like the moment he started appearing, I on mean, TV. he was
1: the Ur- you know the Urkel, the Alf, the the novelty character, mm-hmm. combined with the fact that he just has an incredibly sharp, funny uh, sense of humor that like. You know, he would work with the writers, but his ad libs would get like even bigger laughs than the sketches they were doing.
0: Now, is that a lot of Jerry Jewell? Um, Jerry Jewel I know, was the prominent. He was one of the head writers on The Muppet Show. And I was trying to kind of get I was trying to dig a little deeper into the actual writers and the roles they have, because I think the joke writing on The Muppet Show is some of the most phenomenal variety show comedy writing. They, uh, you know, you can find, you know?
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, Jerry Jewell was a... He- especially for the years of The Muppet Show and during the major Muppet movies, he was absolutely... Major uh, Muppet th- movies, say that five times. Major best. Muppet <laughs> movies. He was absolutely there. I'm not sure exactly how it fits in with the Rolf character, but he was working on uh, the Salmon & Friends show. This is during a chunk of time from the uh, 50s to the 60s that, like, we're muddying the waters a little, but uh, he was... He would... Uh, so Jim Henson was making uh the Salmon Friend show, which was like this avant garde thing. He was doing like these uh really like cool uh beatnik hippie like television experiments. Uh
0: and then of course like every single uh person starting out I feel like that we ever cover ever he was doing commercial work. <laughs>
1: but not <laughs> just like a career. little bit of commercial work. Uh yeah. It was and it's such a specific niche too. Jim Henson was all about Six-second-long coffee. He was the original Vine star. He was the original Ernest. He yeah. was <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, you you. Uh, so it was. We a have lo- a, we have a few of them now. But this, uh, you, was, you this the-
1: was the Wilkins coffee commercials mm-hmm. that are very famous. Uh, it in, usually involves a Kermit-type character and a stout triangular character who is doubtful of the coffee brand and then gets violent. Come up, kind of a
0: gruff monster, almost yeah. like pre-cookie monstery. Uh-huh. This machine tells if you're a good guy or a bad guy. How? All good guys drink Wilkins instant coffee.
1: Oh, and then he gets, <laughs> and he beat gets up. hammered by it. There were hundreds of these ads, mate. <laughs> it's your present from Mr. Wilkins. But I don't drink Wilkins instant coffee. <laughs> I know, and he just it wanted
0: to be remembered. Hops out and bonks him on the head and it's just presents. a
1: lot of violent deaths. But here's the weird part is other coffee brands saw these ads and demanded that Jim Henson do the same, like do the same deal, but for them, because again, this is this is a simpler time where every television station had unique programming, every radio station had unique programming, and even local supermarket and food brands had their own region. So this is for Red Diamond Coffee, which was from an entirely different part of the country, but it's the exact same ad. Red Diamond makes good coffee. Ooh. Butter coffee? Oh, Red Diamond makes the best coffee. He's getting beat with a
0: baseball bat. Which is very, by the way, this is quite violent. And violence you can get away with because it's puppets Mm -hmm. or Muppets in this case. And also, I'd like to add to that, I don't know how accurate this is because this seems pretty bananas to me. But from what I was reading, it was sort of inferred that up until this time, advertisers... We're always trying to make a hard sell in their advertisements, and that's kind of generally what they did. Yeah. And this was actually the first instance of just using pure comedy to sell something uh, and and not being like, you need to drink. All housewives agree <laughs> that you need. You know what I'm
1: saying? Like, Too many 1950s coffee commercials have an undertone of domestic abuse. Yes, absolutely. It's
0: unfortunate. And uh, let's just take out coffee and just say of commercials <laughs> in the day. But yeah, so apparently Jim Henson was also a pioneer in, in uh, av- the evolution of advertisements. And uh, without him, we wouldn't have the, the talking frogs for Budweiser or um, any of those other stupid, bu- or Old Spice guy. Uh, we wouldn't have any of
1: that shit without Jim Henson. Another, again, because we want, you know, the, the the fact of the Muppets is even though Jim Henson was like the the icon in the middle, he brought together all of these individual artists uh, in a way that like no other person could have. So another talent that he brings in is uh, Don Celine, who is a uh, mustachioed puppet maker who kind of officially codifies the house Muppet style. Mm. Um, he kind of like nails down the googly eyes, the felt, the, the framing. And he even masters uh, what is now known as the Henson stitch which Hmm. is a way of sewing felt together to hide the seams. That like very nice round geometric shape that we associate with the Muppets was done by Don Celine. He uh, physically sewed the first Rolf puppets, along with a lot of other early Muppets um, that we, so he worked with them for decades. And in 1963,
0: Around this time, they moved to New York City to really go for it. Jane ends up quitting performing to raise her children. And in her place, Henson hires a guy named Frank Oz to replace her. Oh, Frank Osnowitz. Yes.
1: Is that really his full name? Yes. Frank Osnowitz uh, during one of the early uh, late night appearances. uh, I forget which... I want to say Ed Sullivan, but it could have been any of these like esteemed late night hosts mispronounces his name and just says like Frank Oz and just like mumbles. <laughs> so like he adopted the
0: stage name Frank Oz. It's so perfect for a guy who makes a lifetime of like performing these like incredibly memorable puppets all through Hollywood's now, history. Did you,
1: did you hear this angle about Frank Oz and Jim Henson um, at some point during uh, Jim Henson's uh Uh, college like the time that he was like graduating college getting commercial work and uh and doing the uh salmon friend show his uh brother uh who was enlisted in the who who signed up for the military uh died in a car accident Mm. and uh if you experience a death in the family at a very young age it can be it can be very earth-shattering to the way you look at the world and he uh people say that like the 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 humanist angle that Jim Henson has worked towards his entire life the idea that you know the time we have is like special and that you can't waste it on negative emotions and like you have to be supportive and you have to do your best because this life we have is beautiful and it's what we have and it's what we got um, it kind of shaped and but also drove him to like become a even bigger workaholic because like that awareness of how precious the time we have is uh, and Frank Oz was a few years younger than Jim Henson, and uh, as one older brother uh, left him, he kind of adopted Frank as like kind of a younger brother, Hmm. and the two were almost inseparable. Oh wow! Um, Frank Oz uh, has done the voice of like you know uh, all the all the famous Muppet duos we think of. Uh, He's Fozzie Bear to play off of Kermit. He's Bert and Ernie. Yeah. Um,
0: all that stuff yeah he 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 and he'd been doing it since a young child he worked as an apprentice puppeteer at Children's Fairyland an amusement park one of the early amusement parks like literally Walt Disney took a tour of Children's Fairyland in order to get ideas for his his upcoming Disney World um and they worked together and they end up getting a a show what the first show really that Henson uh, and Osget is uh, Sesame Street. Well, Sesame Street was actually not their show at first. What's funny is that they just sort of eclipsed it. Um, it was uh, created by, it was like the Children's Network, I believe, the or Children's something like television that. The Children's Television Workshop. Um, Henson waived his performance fee in exchange for retaining ownership rights to the Muppet characters created for the program, which was very fucking smart of him. Mm-hmm. Um, Kermit appeared as a roving television news reporter. It was around this time that that, that frill, that collar is added mm-hmm. to uh, help uh, make him more frog-like, but Kermit also D-frog hide a scene. Here. Uh Fly
1: from the scene. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: uh yeah, and, and that was that was starting to be a big hit. Now that is gonna start adding to To
1: say Sesame Street was a big hit is an understatement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, for sure. There's Malcolm Gladwell wrote about this, but the way that they tested Sesame Street and the way that Jim Henson kind of format helped format the tone and the pace of the show uh is kind of remarkable because uh these, this was television with a goal. Like there were kids out there in the world that had televisions and like this was a chance to kind of imbue positive like educational lessons and moral lessons uh, to a otherwise disconnected youth. Um, And the way they formatted is Jim Henson worked in commercials. So if you remember Sesame Street, it's a lot of very short segments and uh, within these segments like stuff that. Uh, the dollhouse song, the uh, crazy pinballs, 11 12. like all these like little vignettes. These vignettes uh, keep kids' attention because, like, as soon as the as soon as the point is uh, across, it's on to the next thing, and uh, they make sure to keep it visually dynamic. Uh, a, a thing Malcolm Gladwell wrote about was how they would actually focus test early Sesame Street sketches in front of a a crowd of kindergartners, and in one screen they had a film reel of the Sesame Street segment that they were testing, and on another screen directly next to it was a slideshow of funny animal pictures, and the observers would take note when the kids would stop paying attention to Sesame Street and just start looking at the animal pictures because that's when they knew that something had to be changed. Mm. And one of the big things that they decided to change after testing was you know, psychologists at the time... Uh, thought that it would be unhealthy for kids to see regular people perform next to the Jim Henson characters because that would be blurring the lines of fantasy and reality. Hmm. But it was the hmm. magical nature of having characters like Grover, Frank Oz, uh, and Kermit interact with real people that like kids found the most enthralling. That like the television, even though they were teaching them like letters and numbers and civic duties... Was like a window into a magical other place, like Sesame Street was this magical place, at uh you know Jim Henson and his team, like made real, made compelling, and is responsible for so. I, have you been following this Elsa Gate thing? No. Like basically,
0: on you're e- dropping so many fucking knowledge bombs on me right now, Jake. I, I don't have, know what to do.
1: I'm a white man in his 30s. I have Muppet thoughts. You know. You know. <laughs> God, I, I'm so glad i i I haven't seen my I haven't seen my girlfriend for like the past couple of days, and like if she could see me openly bawling about fucking children's puppet programming, <laughs> she would dump me in a second. What are you talking about? She would fall
0: that much more in love with you. Are you kidding? Um, Everyone loves shit. La- ladies love shit like that, right? Uh, All women
1: everywhere. Right? Do you know how uh, Jim Henson also uh, invented uh, the Big Bird costume and how it was set up? Um, do you, do you know how it works? No. Uh, so also Elsa gate Elsa, uh, people have discovered that there's like all these third world country, uh, based YouTube channels that are literally just cranking out bizarre animated, uh, sketches where like Elsa and the Hulk and the Joker just like have babies together or like (laughs) have open surgery. Oh, wow. And the fact is, is that, uh, half of them. Like, you know, 90% of the, the, the these videos don't do anything. Like, they just get lost. But some of them have hundreds of millions of hits because kids are just being plopped in front of their tablets with YouTube open. And, like, they'll click on weird thumbnails because kids have, like, a weird, perverse curiosity about them. Right. So, like, Elsa has, like, teeth removed. Joker oh, poops in God. her sink. Aha. So, like, this weird, like, non educational. Like, no love, no effort is, like, dominating children's time on YouTube because parents don't care and the creators of the content don't care. They just need the ad revenue. Mm -hmm. So it's almost the antithesis of what Jim Henson and PBS did with Sesame Street, Hmm. which was so deliberate and cared so much for the developing minds that were watching it. Um uh, throughout the decades, Frank Oz and Jim Henson would stay involved in Sesame Street, even though the actual like individual windows that they were available to help contribute to uh, sketches and segments diminished and diminished and diminished uh, into the 2000s. Frank Oz was still contributing stuff to Sesame Street, but they've eventually faced it out and they would eventually replace like the individual performers. Um, now, of course, Henson, around this time is uh, back in the back
0: in the time of uh, Sesame Street's big success. He starts to get really worried about uh, only ever getting to create things for children. He wants to create things for adults. He gets really into that idea, probably inspired by some of the uh, early day stuff that was puppetry for all ages. Um, you know, one of his
1: big because television, he cares like yeah, he he likes puppets. He has brought together this almost like murderer's row of talented, emerging puppet puppeteers and artists to to help him with his stuff. But deep down, he's like sound, visual, motion, and the intimacy of television is still what drives him. So he
0: his first kind of step foray into the adult audience uh, attempt. Is a bit of a misstep. And that would be with his uh, early, the early Saturday Night Live. Now, I didn't even know about this until, like, the Saturday Night Live, like, box season, yeah. season one, like, DVD set came out. And I was like, let's watch this stuff. And you watch the early SNL. With the world it has, of Gorch? It has no idea what it wants to be. Mm-hmm. SNL has... Short films in it It's got people Just kind of getting up there And just kind of like Freeform talking It maybe had Three sketches In each episode It was It had Way more music Way more music Taking up the space of it And yeah Is World of Gorge The Muppet Part of it And man, the world of Gort stuff is just so out of place for what SNL's trying to do. And uh, it was really obvious from the get-go. It only lasted, I want to say... It was just the one season. It was just the one season. Was it even every episode of the first season? It was very
1: very often. um,
0: I I feel like it only made it a a few episodes before they were like, yeah, no, this ain't going to work. There would just be this weird, out of nowhere, Muppety, Fraggle
1: Rocky sequence that was still...
0: Like, They're not good. Well, here's, yeah. here's the
1: issue. Uh, number one, uh, they wanted to make the puppets. Ugl- they made the puppets ugly uh, in order to, like, deviate from the kiddiness of it. OK, they uh, y- like, for example, they didn't use the googly ping pong eyes that like is confirmed to be an almost compelling and like intense um, land of Gorge. I'm sorry. Not world of Gorge. Uh they use like these beady taxidermy eyes, which mm. give them this uncanny valley feeling. Uh, there's like a lot of like weird sex stuff in it. There's like uh, and that, another thing is uh, the writers of SNL were responsible for writing the sketches. So Michael
0: it, like, O'Donohue famously said, I won't write for felt. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Yeah. They. They all. It was like a punishment.
1: Of, if you had fucked up that week, you had to just crank <laughs> out the Land of Gorch segment.
0: <laughs> and uh, Henson said, "I saw what creator Lorne Michaels was going for, and I really liked it, and wanted to be a part of it. But somehow, what we were trying to do and what his writers could write for, it never gelled. And that is the truth. If you go and look at that stuff, you'll absolutely find that. Um. So that ends up being a bit of a misstep. Uh, Sesame Street is completely up and running and totally good to go. And Henson gets to a kind of a crossroads, and he begins developing two projects. One is a Broadway Muppet show, and one is a weekly TV Muppet show.
1: Uh, there was a few like backdoor specials. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the Muppet? Are you talking about the Muppets Valentine Show and the Muppet Show Sex and Violence? Yes, <laughs> which is the best name for the Muppet Show Sex and Violence. Um, they were two specials. They both aired on ABC, and they were both kind of considered pilots. Uh, I don't think I've actually ever watched these specials. By the way, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Uh, but I do know that the networks did not uh, think that uh, a show could be made for adult audiences. They did not view the uh, the two specials as potentially lucrative. And They essentially just flat out
1: say, "Nope, sorry, but thank you very much." They named the second special "Sex and Violence." It's like he's so desperate to escape the shadow of Sesame Street, yeah. which is so unfortunate. Because, like, Sesame Street is amazing. Yeah, which, I, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Um, but Salvation comes by uh, through a British producer who is a TV presenter and kind of a muckety-muck named uh, Lou Grade. Lou Grade, a British impresario, uh, essentially, and
0: he's, yeah, he they, they moved to England, and Lou Grade essentially is like, I will finance this thing and I'll get it on British television. So What is this thing? Uh, the uh should I play the song? Again? The Muppet Show. Yeah! It begins taping in nineteen seventy-six, and that's I had no idea this about this. That it was a British only show for a little bit. That mm-hmm. it was only on it, it aired on what? A T V, which I don't even know what that is, you know. This it,
1: this begins a longtime collaboration with uh, the Jim Henson Company and British uh, media media production companies uh, deep like all the way into the 2000s like uh, it's the Muppets get a lifeline from England mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, oh it also should be noted that uh, while this is happening uh, uh, Jim Henson has five kids uh, with his wife Jane. And they do not see him very much.
0: Yeah, yeah. Always a shame with the this sort of
1: thing. <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, he brought a lot of joy to a lot of kids. They just didn't happen to have the last name Henson. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so I feel I feel like a good entry point into here. I want to give a rundown of the cast of mm-hmm. the Muppet Show. I just it it's so the Muppet Show is it's cast it's it's vaudevillian ensemble of course and it's funny that we just did an episode on deadpool but uh i feel like this kind of goes in form and and you know uh in format of of fourth wall breaking of taking this old vaudevillian style that he grew up watching and Um, Kind of showing the backstage of it and showing it being just totally broken down and it being this sort of this machine that's just barely being held together by Kermit. uh, And and it's just absolute chaos. And, you know, they're always on their kind of their last legs, you know, kind of like much like vaudeville of the day. You know, Kermit
1: himself is this soft spoken yet driven a lanky creature that is somehow responsible for corralling, oh, let's say a hodgepodge of borderline insane theater people. <laughs> I wonder where they got that dynamic from. <laughs>
0: Uh, Kermit the Frog, uh, the name is said to be derived from Henson's childhood friend named Kermit. That was actually denied by the company. There was also said that, uh, it, apparently Kermit was a popular name of the day, which is hilarious to me. Uh, it was also said to be derived from a sound engineer named Kermit that worked at WBL tv Apparently they were meeting the different workers at WBAL-TV WB, and when Henson met Kermit, uh, the sound engineer, he turned to his wife and said, that's the name of our frog. It's all also claimed to be from a man named Kermit Love, which I, I think is fantastic. He worked with Jim Henson designing Muppets. He but looks he d-
1: oddly like Santa Claus. <laughs> Who, Kermit Love? Kermit Love looks like that's Santa hilarious. Claus.
0: He's also uh, apparently a guy that they started working with after Sam and Friends. So that's just kind oh, of yeah, amazing. yeah, way after.
1: That, uh, he was responsible for creating a lot of the full body suits that we know uh, like the Snuffleupagus costume and uh, a lot of the other larger monsters oh, not, uh, is very cool. Kermit Love's idea. I love he the also, um, one of the big things about Sesame Street is that it, uh, you know, is produced internationally. That was like a big deal. Uh, is that, you know, there's a Kuwaiti Sesame Street and a Danish Sesame Street and a German Sesame Street. Uh, growing up Jewish, I knew a lot about Rehov Sumsum, Sum, the Israeli <laughs> Sesame Street. And it was Kermit Odell who uh, would actually go across the world and help build and design these puppets oh, wow. for foreign companies. Um, Again, the world of puppeteering is this very like vibrant and and oddly like secluded art form with its own like rich history and its own traditions that like Jim Henson was like free because of his position as a television uh, guy to actually like pick and choose this Mm -hmm. circle of incredibly talented people with centuries of experience at their backs. So, it, it, yeah, it's I, I'm so rambly because I've just spent a week crying <laughs> because Jim Henson was so fucking cool and the Muppets were so fucking good.
0: Now, Brian Henson described uh, his father's performance as Kermit as coming out of his own personality. It was a wry intelligence, a little bit of naughtiness, but Kermit uh, Kermit always loved everyone around and also loved a good prank. Uh he uh, apparently, uh, so a little bio for Kermit, he was born in Leland, Mississippi, alongside approximately 2,353 siblings. Yeah, frogs are weird like that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Jim Henson once claimed that Kermit's job on The Muppet Show was much like his own, trying to get a bunch of crazies to actually get the job done. So yeah, your analogy is quite correct. Frank Oz plays Miss Piggy, uh, according to an uh, interview um, She grew up in a small town in Iowa. Her father died when she was young, and her mother wasn't that nice to her. She had to enter beauty contests to survive, as many single women do. She has a lot of vulnerability, which she has to hide because of her need to be a superstar. Now, that's just a testament to Frank Oz's process, right? He created, like, a true, uh, dramatic, serious bio for Miss Piggy. And I think that that's why Miss Piggy comes across... Cartoonish and at the same time with this big heart and this realism that really, really s- connects you to the character. Fun Miss Piggy story.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the famous uh-huh. karate chop was an ad lib uh, in Miss Piggy's first uh, sketch on The Muppet Show. And the script originally called for just a light like, how dare you slap? Uh. And like that one moment kind of like codified for the writers and producers that like, oh, there's something funny here and we got to do it. Also, there's a lot of behind the scenes footage of The Muppet Show and it continue like it continually freaks me out. Anytime you see like a picture of like Miss Piggy, like fully dolled out in like the blonde wig and the gown. And like literally flirting with like a famous actor of the day, like, I don't know, Roger Moore or some shit. And then you see like underneath her is just this sweaty, mustachioed, scrawny, bald guy in the uh, in the almost prerequisite Muppeteer sweatband because you only your hands aren't. You don't have any free hands and the uh, wireless microphone rig that they all used. So
0: funny. Oz assigned a a hook to each Muppet he performed. Another testament to Oz's. I like this, by the way. I think that that's important. Assigning a hook to every character you create Mm -hmm. or perform as, I think, is a really interesting idea. Uh, Miss Piggy's hook for for Oz was a truck driver wanting to be a woman. Which I think is an amazing phrase and made me really think about the character. He also stated that while so many other, he he essentially said, while Fozzie the Bear is a two-dimensional character and animal has no dimensions, (laughs) Miss Piggy is one of the few Muppet characters to be fully realized in three dimensions now um, what
1: is some of your favorite Muppet show sketches
0: um well I have I have a list of, of different uh, reoccurring s- sketches that I absolutely loved I mean first of all let's just play it right now Swedish <laughs> chef is just gonna go down as one of my absolute favorites as a kid Back in
1: the now it's real hands but the way the Muppets work is for these two-handed puppets there has to be one puppeteer operating the mouth and one hand and then a second puppeteer operating the spare hand so Frank Oz and Jim Henson would be doing this character at the same time and to create the comedy like Frank Oz would do stuff with the free hand to literally throw Jim Henson off his game creating this like complete air of actual chaos like the 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 way that the swedish chef <laughs> lets things get out of control is like actually jim Henson going like what the fuck is happening <laughs> it's so
0: good i always the uh, the definitely the chef was one of my earliest memories as a kid um the, uh would have to definitely be the uh they did a stop hey what's that sound everybody look, look but it was all these uh it was like uh I think it was, like, gophers or something. They're hiding from hunters. And every now and again, they'd have to duck. They would, like, sing the chorus. And then they'd duck and a hunter with a shotgun would would run by. And I just, like, as a kid... Loved that. I had never heard the song before, and I, it, you know, it's kind of interesting because that song's actually about like f- fucking what, like Vietnam or something? It's a little bit about Vietnam. <laughs> so, you know, watching it, but just loving that. um Menomina is a big
1: one. <laughs> Uh, that one will definitely get copyright hit. <laughs> don't don't keep playing it. <laughs> uh,
0: the other one, uh, 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 pigs in space. Oh, I always
1: I always zoned out for pigs in space. Oh,
0: I loved pigs in space and anything that was super vaudevillian-y, that was super like. I also as a kid and Sattler and
1: Waldorf. Sattler
0: and Waldorf, of course. I mean, name they're not after really the a, famous New York hotels. They're not really a sketch, but yeah, name after uh, the Sattler Hilton and the Waldorf Astoria were fantastic. There were there more characters than like actual sketch i would say um anything that was very i think which writer was it Hold on, i have the writers here um and uh I know that one of the guy one of the head writers was a head writer on Hee Haw. I was actually I had a very southern upbringing and when I would go stay with my grandparents they would watch Hee Haw and I loved that style of comedy back in the day. So anything like Veterinarian's Hospital mm-hmm. where they're all just like standing around in operation and it's just one liner one liner one liner one liner the at the dance sequence mm-hmm. where it's literally just Couple moves into frame, joke. Couple moves into frame, joke, and it's just boom, 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 one after the other. Just like I loved that as a kid, like, and I still love that, you know. Especially like taking the the whole thing that I don't know. Maybe you saw on like Carol Burnett's show or something like that, where they actually laugh at their own jokes. Laughing, you know? yeah, 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 yeah laughing. Where they're just like, oh, like afterwards. I I was always a big fan of those. Of course, the eagle. Um, Sam the Eagle Sam the Eagle And and any time he was on uh, Like talking to camera Sweetums scared me Yeah
1: Sweetums was upsetting (laughs) Uh, I remember one sketch It's very weird It was like An alien mating ritual (laughs) Where it was like Kermit the Frog Doing like a nature show On an alien planet Mm -hmm. And literally just like it ends with like the male and the female alien just like screaming at full volume and running into each other and exploding into babies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> also, of course, um, anything, the beaker honeydew, oh. failed science experiments was uh, some of my favorite stuff as a little kid. I have to give a shout out to, uh, Ed from Roundtable Cause I love that his favorite character is always just the big bear. The big, just like, or <laughs> just talking about it's so perfect for him and what he would love. Uh, let's talk about Gonzo for a second uh gonzo uh uh, a prototype type of him appeared in the notorious
1: chicken fucker
0: yeah exactly also uh nobody i love that everyone else like portrays a certain animal Fozzie the bear kermit the frog and gonzo is literally referred to as a whatever like (laughs) as a running gag he they don't know what he is um but he yes he's in love with uh what's her name which camilla the chicken um But uh, Gonzo was kind of created actually originally as a character with a low self-esteem. Later with Henson's approval, they reworked the eyes to allow the character to convey more excitement, to have a zany, bombastic appreciation for life, which I think definitely captures him. He's performed by puppeteer Dave Goals. Jerry Jewell uh, did a lot of Gonzo's writing. And um, it's funny because uh, his first appearance, the great Santa Claus switch, he was uh, appeared as a generic gruff bad guy. And it's kind of interesting how these characters can kind of evolve and change as life goes on. Of course, Gonzo does a lot of stuff with Rizzo, the rat, Um, Fozzie, the bear. That was another Frank Oz, as you referred to uh, earlier. Uh, He was named after Al Fuzzy, the uh, mascot of the Alpha Z- Z- XI, what is that? Xi, Z-, Z, whatever. Delta sorority in the mid-1970s that Jane Henson was a <laughs> member of, which is such a weird fucking bizarre weird fact. weird um, Also, Fozzie uses a lot of Jewish humor on the show, which is a nod to Frank Oz's Jewish ancestry and the Borscht Belt comics that were big in his day uh, when he was younger. We talked about Rolf the Dog. We talked about um, the Purina dog chow commercials. Dr. Teeth. Um, Yes, the band, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. So, Dr. Teeth, of course, based on the New Orleans musician Dr. John. If you didn't know that or you don't know who Dr. John is, listen to some Dr. John. (laughs) Um, Jim Henson once said that Dr. Teeth was one of the most difficult characters to play due to the harshness of the character's voice. You've got Animal. It's been speculated what Animal is based off, what drummer he's based off of. Keith Moon, it has to be. They say Keith Moon. They say John Bonham. Bonham. Some say uh, Levon Helm. Um, Having lived with a drummer, I have to say, they're all fucking psychic. Exactly. They're all animal. Um, uh, it was His drumming was actually performed by British jazz and big band drummer Ronnie Varel.
1: What? Yeah. Shut the
0: fuck yeah. up. British big
1: band drummer Ronnie Varel is in, up in this jazz.
0: He also did, uh, Floyd Pepper, of course, referring to uh, the album Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, as well as the band Pink Floyd. Uh, you've got Janice, who is clearly like. Uh, uh Joni Mitchell sort of but also Janice most likely named after what Janice Joplin um Zoot na- uh, named derived from the sax player Zoot Sims um designed to look Is he like the guy
1: with the blue hair
0: yeah he's the saxophonist yeah yeah he's just des- he's uh designed to look like Latin jazz artist Gato Barbieri I, who I was not familiar with. if of. I was a cool person in the 70s I bet I'd know who that was <laughs> <laughs> and who can forget Pepe the King Prawn He's not in the band I just had to bring him <laughs> up I, I mean I wrote down A bunch of different Like na- different um, I th- Creations did, Pe- I th-
1: did Pepe come later? I don't know
0: uh, I don't know I think No 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 I think he was He wasn't back in the day I don't, I'm not sure uh, And uh, the, the guest stars That appeared Were phenomenal Definitely go back And watch the Steve Martin episode It's fantastic Don Knotts Dom DeLuise John Denver Earth, Ethel Merman, Elton John, Diana Ross, Mark Hamill, and uh, Linda Ronstadt—just Ronstadt, just to name a. Uh, no, I said it right, Ronstadt. Just to name a few of the big names. I mean, they got like exceptionally big names. Uh, To appear on the show Especially because The show was on the air For five seasons I think Yeah it wasn't even That crazy long But uh, it's so memorable It was was
1: building And building and building Like by season five It was one of the It was a certifiable hit
0: Now did you have Any favorite sketches We hadn't mentioned yet Or favorite characters or Who was your favorite Character would you say I think my brothers Would be Animal I think for me personally When I was a young kid It was the Swedish chef But I think that's Kind of changed over time And I'd maybe have to go with um, I didn't even mention scooter uh i wouldn't go with scooter necessarily though probably fozzy having now tried to be a comic for so yeah, long yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> like i probably sense. relate to fozzy the most at this point um
1: uh and his sort of failed comedy stylings <laughs> god i didn't even realize it but the muppet show had set me up for a lifetime of bombing <laughs>
0: Well he had there was like a children 's video too that was uh, that came out it was called like "Be as Funny as Fozzie the Bear or something like that and it was actually like a how early how to uh for comedy for doing stand up um, that was hosted by Fozzie the Bear which is hilarious uh, i do want to mention some of the names we have here of course we've already mentioned jim henson and frank oz but also jerry nelson who played the count and snuffle uh but also played sergeant floyd pepper and a bunch of side characters in the muppet show richard hunt another big uh puppeteer he, the scooter guy he did scooter okay. he did janice he did statler dave goals I believe is his name. He was a big puppet builder. This kind of this guy was kind of interesting. He started as a puppet builder. He was just making puppets. And then they kind of threw him in at to play Gonzo. And he literally is one of those guys who was just like, I had no idea what I was doing. I somehow just kind of had a knack for it. And like I would I would just have to be like, all of a sudden I was like this dude in the basement making puppets. And all of a sudden I'm standing next to these like huge stars of the day being like, Oh man, what the fuck am I going to do? And then he finally ended up switching over to just performing full time. But he actually created, um, or, or performed as Gonzo and made that character incredibly popular. The
1: trick to be a good Muppeteer is to make sure, uh, you have a screen available. So you know exactly how the puppet is looking down the barrel, of the camera, uh, a lot of people will like flap their mouths up and down while they're like manipulating a puppet, but a Muppet specifically, you have to like almost like flick each word out. Like, uh, the, like a Muppet doesn't like say something it like bursts with the words. Uh, another thing is to, uh, kind of, like, never turn your head, just kind of, like, cheat the head a little bit to the side mm. so that, the again, the eyes are always, like, focusing hmm. on the screen. Hmm. It's all these subtle, like, visual cues that, like, keep your eyes transfixed. It's it's something, like... It's something really basic in hum- in the human mind where, like, a puppet is just an inanimate thing, but we're so trained to, like, respect eye contact that, like, a Muppet looking down the camera... Is a living creature. I can't believe you didn't like pigs in space what? What plant? Like, are you just heartless and
0: cold? Do you do you just like? I think I think they got. Do a you lo- not have any blood in your like? How did I, I just
1: wasn't? I was young. I wasn't familiar enough with the genre pastiche that to like really to hold my attention. Shit was so funny, man. Mm. <laughs> Um, And don't forget, and just a lot of lengthy musical numbers. Yes, yes, a lot of
0: that. Um, It was nominated for 21 Primetime Emmy Awards. It won four, including the 1978 award for Outstanding Comedy, Variety, or Music Series. um, After the show ends uh Henson makes his takes his muppets and makes his foray into the world of film making some incredible movies the muppets by no means are finished at this point and in fact if anything they're just getting started but that is actually where we're going to leave off uh on our first part we're going to get into all that stuff next week the reboots all of those phenomenal movies. Lexi is so excited because we're totally
1: going to watch a bunch of Muppet movies this week, uh, which is like Are you going to I've never watched The Dark Crystal and I may have to this week.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will say this, I feel like we'll probably go back and do like a Henson episode at some point down the road, um just because I feel like, you know, Henson's just kind of a part of the like like Muppets is the focus, you know. Um but uh and and honestly, like we have so many Muppet
1: movies like Eight Muppet films? I will... It's fine. I'll watch Muppet Treasure Island again. Dude. Don't twist my arm. Do I... I don't know if I've seen Muppet
0: Treasure Island.
1: It has its charms.
0: Well, uh, the... the Tim Curry's in it. The Muppet Christmas, I watch like every year. Oh, wow. The Muppet movie... Have you seen the Muppet movie recently? Uh, just the bicycle scene because it still blows my mind. It, it's fucking awesome. I mean, we haven't even talked about the songs that are synonymous with the Muppets because they haven't even happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I'm talking about you know it ain't easy in green and Rainbow Connections. Those those don't happen till the damn movies, which is after right along the Muppet mm-hmm. Show. Oh, we're gonna have so many. We're gonna get to play so many fun, mm-hmm. fun clips. Um, and of course the newer movies, which are pretty fucking. I mean, especially the first big reboot movie. The- the disney
1: yeah the first disney muppet movie like i fucking loved it. Odds, I loved it against all odds
0: i loved it dude i saw it in the theater i like cried ugh there's going to be a lot
1: of crying next week
0: yeah there's going to be some crying next week too sorry y'all that's totally going to happen so anyways uh, thank you so much and um Thanks again. Fucking don't have the spreadsheet open, but I'm going to go on a limb here and say Yoram, (laughs) (laughs) even though I suck ass at names. But thank you so much for uh, requesting this episode topic. This is phenomenal. So good. We had to make it a two parter. So uh, uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Check out the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Wizard whizbrew oh yeah patreon.com forward slash whizbrew um to check if you want to get in on that we also do uh weekly polls to pick episode topics stuff like that you, and get, a you get a bonus you get bonus content
1: every week mm-hmm. if you've ever stopped listening to our show and been like damn i want to hear more groaning and screeching <laughs> you're covered
0: there it is there you go so um yeah and follow me on twitch.tv forward slash hold naders uh
1: follow me on twitter at best jake young uh st- Go, go to YouTube find my goddamn puppet video give it a click
0: please he he literally texts me about it every five minutes he really, he's very desperate for these it's videos.
1: a puppet themed episode if not now <laughs> when
0: uh, all right everybody thank you much and have a good night